what's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to Series 3. For all you long-time listeners out there, don't worry, you're not going crazy. Yes, that is new intro music created yet again by my man Skits Beat. So a big shout out to him, like always, for sharing his talents. And also, for anyone wondering about the logo, yep, you guessed it, that's also new. And that deserved shout out belongs to the graphic designer extraordinaire that is David Dryden. And now I wonder how many of you can figure out what all the little details in the, de- in the design actually represent. Oh, and before we go any further, I need you all to know that the best producer in the world, Mr. Ryan Hale, is no longer holding my hand through all these shows as I no longer live just down the I-15. But he's still doing absolutely everything else, only now from just under 5,000 miles away. So a big shout out to him, like always, for finding the time to make me sound fabulous. Okay, as this is the start of a new series and I'm starting a new career as a civilian, I thought, why not try something a little bit different with the shows? So each week, I'm going to try and have a co-host of sorts helping me introduce the guests. Most weeks, it'll be my cousin Yudi. Don't worry, I can vouch for him. He's okay, and he thinks he can handle the limelight. But some weeks, we may have people on who maybe have a link to the guests themselves. So does that sound good? Excellent. Let's make it even better. The plan is to give the co-host clues to see if they can guess who the guest is going to be. So why don't you play along and let me know if you would have figured it out for yourself. As always, the social media handle is kickback underscore Nadem, and we happily accept all followers on both Instagram and on Twitter. But now that's out the way, let me introduce the new contributor. Or rather, let me put him on the spot so he can introduce himself. So, Yudi, who the hell are you and why are you being recorded right now? <laughs> yes, yes, I can't answer that question. I have no idea what, what, why I'm here. Of all the people that could have made it, I feel... I feel blessed and honored to meet the the kickback followers. So thank you for having to me. Meet them. Yeah, yeah. To meet them. To meet them. Yeah. You're not really meeting them. They're just hearing you. They're not meeting you. What are you talking Listen, about? Man, I'm trying to be, I'm trying to introduce myself. I'm trying to be show some love. Mm. Um, be polite. Express myself. Don't look, I'm 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 learning here. Okay. All right? This is this is new for me. Okay. So just so everybody knows, Yudi's one of those guys that's not on social media. So he it's because he's quite sensitive about criticism and stuff like that. So feel free to like pass on messages to me directly and I'll give them to him. Just just keep that energy, yeah. That's like, they can they can find me on LinkedIn. Like, <laughs> <laughs> for connect some sort of work connection. Okay. If they're really if they're really looking. Okay. So you ready to play the game anyway? I'm ready. All right. So each week, each week you figure it out, I'll donate to a charity of your choice or one suggested by the listeners. You good with that? Sounds good to me. Okay. But each time you can't figure it out, all I require is a voice note from you telling me how great I am. Does that sound fair? Well, this has been a pleasure. Uh, all the best to you, <laughs> to the other listeners. I will play that game. <laughs> no, we're playing that game. We're playing that game. So, right, let's get going, yeah? So, the way this works, I'll give you three clues. You can ask me three questions, and you have three guesses. Yeah? Calm. All right? The magic of three. All right. Clue number one. He has played for five teams in the Midlands. Yeah? You got that on board? All right. I'm good. Clue number five teams in the middle. Yeah. Clue number two. He played and scored in the 2014 FA Cup final. Clue. Yeah. Clue number right. three. Clue number three. He also played with me in the England under 21s. You're going to go straight to guesses or you're going to ask some questions? 
Um, scale of one to ten, how much better player uh, is this person than than you? Like on on our well, list? that's subjective, isn't it? <laughs> that's subjective, but he's still playing, so technically he is better than me. He's still playing, okay. He's still playing. That's one that's, question. That's good in the first. Um. England at twenty one. Like, what other questions? Position. Give me a position. Like, you don't don't get specific. Just no. I have up well, front, midfielder or, or defender. Defender. That's defender. That's two questions. Defender. How many do I get? Three. You get three. Yeah. Oh, this is minging. Um, five teams in the Midlands still playing. England under twenty ones with you. Yeah, that's right. That's right. You've got one more question. Make it a good one. <laughs> this is hard. I don't want to have to leave that voice note. There's a lot of pressure uh, on Listen, this. I'm expecting weekly voice notes at this rate. Uh, um, Ooh. All right. Okay. So, still playing? Still playing. What, what club? Uh, that's, a, that's a valid question. I will say Derby County. Right. Three guesses. Yeah, yeah, I think I know now then. Go on then. Tom Huddleston. Incorrect. Oh, 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 no. You've got two more. You've got two more. <sighs> Come on. Come on. Come on. Remember, this is a podcast, yeah? It's not frozen video. <laughs> Uh, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm thinking, right? I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I'm thinking. Um, defender, Derby County, England, the Twins. It got to be, it got to be like they're, 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 up, they're up there, like like you. So I'm trying, I'm trying. Come on, come on. Um, 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 um. Curtis Davis. Curtis Davis is correct. Curtis Davis is correct. Yes. Awesome. So for that, what's you, what's going to be your charity this week? All right. So this week, I would like to donate the money to the Salmon Youth Centre in Bermondsey in southeast London, okay. um, who do great work with helping uh, kids at risk um, on a day-to-day basis and, and giving them a safe space to go. So to Bermondsey Youth Centre, that's what I'd like to donate. I love that. Love that. Well, congratulations. And now please sit back enjoy as as we head over to derby to speak to the man himself their captain mr curtis davies yes bro what's happening here he is here he is how are you my guy i'm good i'm good how are you yeah incredible man good to see you again very good yeah where are you at the moment you you still in america no 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 i was thinking the times i was thinking what no 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 I'm, I'm back now i'm i'm back back if you know what i mean like not back back but, okay so not just now nah, like close season or any of that yeah no 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 listen i'm unlike you i'm done i'm done with the game like i'm done done if you know what i mean yeah so i'm chilling yeah i'm chilling but anyway how are you where are you I'm good yeah i'm i'm just i'm in birmingham in it so i'm at home yeah okay and how's family and stuff all good yeah yeah my um missus my little one obviously been with them 24-7 for the last month, <laughs> obviously with the injury. So, uh, yeah, they're all good, though. You know, with lockdown and everything, it's, it's difficult. And it just being at home, you know, usually my little one here, she's watching TV, she's mm-hmm. watching Disney+, Plus, watching Netflix. It's like, all right, you can't watch TV anymore. 
but then there's nothing for her to do. Yeah, that's true. Like so, like even though like don't get me wrong, we'll we'll sit down, we play, do a puzzle, we play games, do whatever. Mm-hmm. But then it's like, how many games, how many puzzles can you do to fill the day? And then it's like, oh, can I watch TV now? And it's like, <laughs> I'll go on then. Do you know what I mean? But yeah, it's literally, sure. I've, I've, I've clocked Disney Plus now. I've literally watched everything. So Have you watched WandaVision? Sorry? Have you watched WandaVision? WandaVision? Is that the new yeah. thing that just come out? Yeah. I've, like, but that's, like, I mean, in terms of for my daughter, like. Yeah, I've, yeah. I know what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Yeah, it's good. That's the, that's the yeah. geek in me kicking in now, but we, we won't talk yeah. about that. But anyway, <laughs> so I've got so many like general questions to just be asking yeah. you, but I'd be doing you a disservice if I didn't ask about, you know, what got you to where you are today. Yeah. Yeah, that's fine. So for everybody who doesn't know, you started your career at Luton Town, but how you got there is the interesting thing for me because I asked Siri about you and believe it or not, <laughs> It said that you were yeah. released at, by Wimbledon, was it, at the age of 16? Yeah, that's correct. Right. Considering where you are right now, I want to know what type of player you were back then for such a thing to happen to you. So I'll give you, I'll Uh-oh. say long story short, but Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Here <laughs> basically we go. I, was always, I was always good at football in terms of, you know, school level, district level, um, played for my district, played for my school, uh, one of the better players at my school. Um, only played Sunday League. So for up until the age of 14, I'd only played Sunday League in district. And then eventually I got into my county team. And then from my county team, a few people started to see me, but I never really got scouted to say, come for a trial kind of thing. But then um, my, my school teacher, uh, my PE teacher, who was the head of my football said, oh, I know a guy he at Wimbledon, Martin Heather. And um, he said, oh, I've recommended you to him. So go see him and, and, and I went for a trial and then through year 11 at school I managed to get a year's schoolboy contract um, with Wimbledon but unfortunately for me during that year I had my worst um, growing pains Right. Okay. so I started having growing pains in my hips where I had a clicking feeling so it could be that it goes in the first minute of a game or it goes in the 80th minute of a game but once it goes it doesn't recover for a few days Right. Okay. so I had that so basically you know, of, of the of the one schoolboy year I was there, I was injured probably four months of it. So it was very difficult, but I looked at it as, you know, when I got fit, I stayed there, got the best I could in terms of training, um, get everything I could from the club to, to give me that little step up so that when it came to the summer, I already in my mind, I was ready to go on trial somewhere else. Did you, so do you think they, that they were right to release you back then? I think they were based on the fact that I'd only had the year there and to only have four months of it it's very difficult for them to then give me a three-year scholar at the time mm-hmm. um and they they had a lad down from newcastle um i don't even know his name now to be honest i, I don't think he kicked on but they they basically had a lad sent off down from newcastle um whilst i was still there that obviously they were going to to sign on the yts so in my head i was just thinking about the next step mm-hmm. i wasn't really worried about what's happening with Wimbledon. i was worried about the next step yeah so that's when yeah. yeah. So when I got eventually released, I, I, that's when I wrote my CVs off. Yeah. So. Like you've just, you've said that like it's a normal thing where I just wrote my CVs. Like that's, you see 16 yeah. years old writing CVs and trying to get a trial at all the clubs in and around London. You, yeah. But you're saying that to me and to the listeners, like that's a normal thing for somebody to do. Because I'll be honest, most people involved in football that age can't even really write. Let's, let's call it what it is. You know what I mean? <laughs> so to be asking for that, what, what was going on there? I think literally because it was year 11 we'd literally just completed cv work right so okay. obviously because you're going out into the open world you, you you do your cv work to, to go and get a job after school don't you mm-hmm. so i'd had that in my head in terms of you know the way you base a cv the the, the format of how you sh- structure it mm-hmm. so i had all of that in my head and then after you know i got released i thought well 
you know, back then, not everyone had an agent at 15, mm-hmm. at 14. I didn't have an agent. Uh, my dad wasn't a former footballer or anything like that that had links to, to get me in places. So I thought, you don't ask, you don't get. So I basically structured my CV with, you know, things I've, positions I've played, goal score, um, weight, height, basically structured it all well. So it was a professional thing. And mm-hmm. then I sent it off to, you know, 30 odd clubs in and around London. Um, I should have done it nationwide, really. Yeah, but yeah. I, I didn't want to be too far from home. Yeah. And then I was just, I was just fortunate that, you know, from seeing that, I don't know if because it was so well written in terms of a CV rather than just, I want a trial. Mm-hmm. Um I, Luton literally rang me two days after I I um I sent it. So for me, you know, that was they were keen, and I went there, and it's the best thing that ever happened to me. Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna say because when I was doing my deeper research on you, because obviously I know you, but the deeper, deeper, yeah. deeper, darker research when we're like in the deep corners of the web finding out about you. <laughs> so, so you went to Luton, and then within the first couple of years or whatever, you're the League One Player of the Year. You're in the team of the year. You're Luton's Young Player of the Year. And for me, on paper, considering the fact you were writing CVs to all the different clubs, not that long before that, that seems kind of nuts. But hearing the context behind it now, like it, it all makes sense. You know, that's incredible. Yeah, but you know me, I'm I'm the type of person that backs myself. Yes. And if and similar to the way that I said it's not going to happen here at Wimbledon, and my mindset was on the next step. I'm, I'm realistic as well. Mm-hmm. So even though I back myself, if I'm backing myself for, for a losing race then that's silly. Mm-hmm. So I see I see the situations for what they are. And the way I saw it is going to Luton was a massive opportunity for me in terms of, you know, at the time Wimbledon were in the championship having just got re- um, relegated from the Premier League. But a couple of years later, Wimbledon ended up turning into MK Dons. You know, the club went upside down. People mm-hmm. are moving, housing, and everything. And obviously the club ended up going down to, to League One anyway. So eventually, once I was in Luton's first team, I'm then playing against the lads that I played with. Um... Uh, a lot of lads that, you know, were picked ahead of me. Mm-hmm. And then my team sitting at the top of the league and their team's languishing near the bottom. And it's just kind of, it wasn't poetic justice, but like I said, I, whether, I had to, yeah, but, but whether I had to step all the way down to, conf- to conference or to non-league, I would have made it. Yeah. Basically, I, the way I was is I'm going to make it, not necessarily just Premier League level. I, I never, ever said, you know, I, I always believed I could, but in terms of, you know, I was going to be a professional. And yeah. fortunately for me, like I say, Luton was the right club at the right time and, and the personnel there helped me to, to come through and, and to get where I was. Okay, so when you were coming through then and, you know, you got to a point where you were establishing the team, what were your actual ambitions then? Was it a case of you want to, say, represent England, you want to try and just yeah. be a hero at Luton? What 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 was the feel then? I think the, the first one initially was, you know, we wanted to get promotion. So when I was in the team and I was playing week in, week out, we started really well. We, we won nine of our first 10 games. So okay. we were high at the top of the league. So the first one was, I'm playing. I seem to have my place in the team. So obviously when you're young and you've, you've only just, it's your first season as a pro, as a full-time pro, I wanted to be in the team, yes, and I was in it, but I never took it for granted because there was some good mm-hmm. experience sent half by me and I knew one mistake and I could be out. So the first one was staying in the team, but once I was in the team and I got established over 15, 20 games, it was to, to get promoted. Um, I wanted success because you know winning week in week out was was massive and to get a promotion would have been massive so that was the first thing but mm-hmm. then once I got to the end of the season and we'd had that I was looking at like England chances you know I, I looked at um and this is the funny thing about the politics of of England obviously I, I played in the under 21 review mm-hmm. but the politics of England is Peter Taylor who was our, our under 21s manager yeah um he 
was the whole manager at the same time. So he knew me from the league because Hull were in the same league as us. So he knew me as a player, mm-hmm. um, knew what I could do. But yet he was still the England under-21 slash under-20 manager. And then in the summer, after having won the league, got League One Player of the Year, um, Team of the Division, blah, 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 um, there was a Toulon tournament. And basically, I looked at the squad and, you know, you had the likes of Anton, uh, Anton, Stephen Taylor, you know, players that are playing in the Premier League slash Championship. So I wouldn't argue with that. But then he took a lad from Hull that had played eight games. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And for me, that was like, well, you know, I've pulled up trees this season and I can't get a chance. But yet, obviously, once I got my move, the crazy thing is that was in the June. Mm -hmm. I got my move. And then I was in the first, my first under 21 squad in October. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just because I'd played a few Premier League games. <laughs> so you told me how much I changed in, in those, you know, between six, six championship games and, and four or five Premier League games. How much have I got better over those few months? I mean, you, you've mentioned the sort of England setup, and I don't know if it's still the same now. You know, there's probably a good chance that it is. But I remember I was traveling for my first ever international call up, and it was to play for the under 20s against Russia. Um, mm-hmm. And as I say, it was my first ever, even though my academy team was like top draw. And we, we just played against Chelsea at, at the bridge and now I'm getting in the car to go over first game. Like, yeah, it's exciting. I get there. I'm looking through the program and there are a couple of players who just made a debut for the reserves the week before, but they'd played with England from under 16s all the way through. Yeah. And I thought, okay, I'm, I'm really happy and proud to have this moment, but it seems that the route to get here for me is very different to somebody 100%. else, you know? Yeah. And you don't you don't take it you don't take it personally, but you do you do kind of wonder because you 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 like to think that if you're selected for the national team, it's, it's on merit as opposed yeah. to being in the system. But that's not always the case, is it? Yeah, it's very institutionalized. It, it seems the FA seems to be harder to get out than to get in. If you know what I mean, or once yeah. you're in, it's hard to get out. Yeah. Um, I think a, a key example of that, the, the biggest example I can use, or two examples really. Um, do you remember ben, Dean Bowditch? Yeah. yeah. So his brother Ben. Yeah played for Tottenham for mm-hmm. years, like obviously, but he was always the captain. So he was captain, England schoolboys, under 17, under 18, under 19, under 20, under 21, and never really made it. Mm-hmm. Yep. He, he, he ended up having over over 50-odd, 60-odd uh, youth caps. Another one was John Curtis, mm-hmm. even though he had a career after, but I'm saying, you know, he was Man United's best thing. He played 15, 16, 17, 18, you know I mean, all the way through. Yeah. And they never really kicked on. Yeah. So it's kind of, you know, I think sometimes, obviously, listen, if you, if you go and watch these good academies and they're playing great football and this guy's scored 15 goals, 20 goals for this academy, then yes. But I argue stepping down the levels and seeing an 18-year-old playing men's football, scoring goals in the football league, mm-hmm. it's more merit than being able to do it against someone of his own age. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So I 100% agree I with that. There's different levels to it, aren't there? And I think... You know, different managers and, and listen, it's where your scouts go. Are your scouts really going to turn up to to Southend to watch an eight, one 18-year-old or are they going to go to watch Chelsea versus Arsenal and see 20, 22 of them? Yeah. yeah so I sure. think I think that's, that's how it works and, and it kind of is easier to, I think it's always easier to fail when you've got Chelsea, Arsenal, um, now, you know, Man City, Man United players in your squad mm-hmm. than it is to take a risk on other players and then, and then once it goes wrong, people will question why why they in the squad. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that that that's very well said. So looking back then to that first season at West Brom, how do you think you did in your first Premier League season? Um, I think I did really well. 
in terms of you know I'm not playing my truck, but I did I did do really well in terms of the transition. Yes, because you know you got to remember I played League One, um, my first season as a pro, full season as a pro, played League One, won the title, got to the championship, played six games, and I left um, Luton. We were third in the championship, and then all of a sudden the move came up. Didn't expect it. I didn't even have an agent then, mm-hmm. um, and it, it came up and you know, it's chance to go to Premier League. So for me, it was a no brainer. Went there and the big adjustment for me was, it wasn't the football. And that sounds silly. Like the level obviously was, was difficult. Um, it was more difficult. The punishment factor was more difficult, but it was the mindset. You got to think I've had a year of winning every week. Yes. And then all of a sudden I'm going to West Brom where um one of the record signings and I've now got to adjust my mindset to, oh, we're losing, we're losing most weeks. Mm-hmm. And that was the, the biggest struggle for me over the football. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, I used to be one uh, when I was at Luton. <laughs> we literally only lost six games that season, um, in, like cups and league or whatever. And I wouldn't go out or I wouldn't go anywhere because I, I kind of locked myself away as if it was my fault. Yeah. yeah and when I, I went to that. West Brom, when I went to West Brom, I, was, I still had that man- mindset. But, you know, the first couple of months I was at West Brom I never, I never went out <laughs> that's your first lockdown <laughs> yeah, but I, I never I kind of never went out because and then I had to adjust my mindset in terms of no going back to the way that you know you have to be very honest with yourself and analyze your performance if I had a bad game individually mm-hmm. and I felt like I let my team down I probably wouldn't go out or, yeah. or wouldn't go for a meal and wouldn't want to be seen but you know if me as an individual I feel I did well you know ultimately you lose games, you win games. You have to, you have to kind of take the rough with this move and, and still have to be able to live a life. You know, it's interesting hearing you talk about that whole stay indoors thing after losing because I was exactly the same when I was younger. And in, in fairness, I wish, I wish I didn't have that mentality for as long as I did. But I think because I was, because I was a City fan playing for City, everything just seemed to hurt that little bit more. And, okay. you know, I could have had more freedom. But then it's, in some ways, it's still, it's still within me because there have been results I've had in the last five, six years where like, I'm thinking, nah, I can't, I can't show my face here. I can't do it. Even yeah. though people are over it out in the city themselves, it still just doesn't feel right. Um, so that year you ended up going down, I believe. Yeah, we did. Yeah. So you're quite, so at this point you're quite young, you're new to the Premier League. You've obviously still got that mentality about, you know, not going out and stuff when things go, don't go well. So my serious question to you is, did you cry when you got relegated? Are you one of those? I think, you know, I, I cry at, if, you know, so oh, this is fast tracking, but I, I'd cry at an individual moment that had let me down. Right. That's that's the combined effort of a season, which unfortunately you can start to see coming. And it'd been dark, dark moments, dark days, you know, within that where, you know, you may be like, oh, we're going down and you, you're, you're be it crying or on the verge of tears. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But in terms of the moment it's confirmed, you already know it's confirmed. Yeah, do you know what I mean? You, you you know if you're going down in a in a relegation, it's it's not like don't get me wrong. If we were to have half a chance on the last day, and then we go down, then maybe my, you know, my tears would have come rolling. <laughs> but we were already relegated two games before the end. So um, yeah, unfortunately for us, that was the case. But you know, my my thoughts were I'd had good stock, I'd made a good name for myself, and and I have to take the positives from that. And you know, I'm going back to the championship, but there's nothing wrong with that as such because I'm still early development of my pro career yeah and I know what and from playing those six games in my head I said I know I can rip this league up yeah and that's that was my mindset going into it yeah but then it obviously other things happened where you know I had potential moves on the cards that 
I was I was devastated. It didn't happen. I'm taking the control here. You relax. Okay. Don't, don't okay, tell, you don't on. tell your story. I tell you how to tell your story. You just wait a minute. Yeah. Because, because obviously then you got relegated and you went down to the championship, which, you know, you were essentially familiar with. And now you're playing regularly again. You're captain. And lo and behold, the guy makes team of the season again. So he's back in the groove, yeah. So what do you think it was then about your style of play in those first few seasons that actually led to, you, to your peers basically choosing you to be um, in the team of the season on so many occasions? Um, I think I was individually hard to beat. I think so. If The way I do the team of the season, I don't do it by, you know, who... Don't get me wrong, if someone scores 30 goals, but I did well against them, I'd still give them respect and put them in the team. Mm -hmm. But I judge it by who stood out to me, who gave me a really tough game. And I'm hoping from the ones that voted for me, they they always thought I gave them a tough game, you know, because uh, back then, you know, not so much now, but I was quick. Uh -huh. I could head a ball. I was aggressive, um, you know. So they, especially at championship level, you're talking about the punishment factor in the Premier League where, you know, you give them one or two chances and they'll score. Mm -hmm. Whereas in the championship, you you maybe say them strikers would need three or four. Yeah. I wasn't giving them those three or four chances. Mm -hmm. And that's the difference. And I think that's kind of where I was at. And, and like I said, I was so confident in my ability um, that, you know, being captain, I think, buoyed me on to, to be the leader and to be like the focal point of a team. Um, but yeah, I think just just being being that guy that, that went out every week saying, I'm better than these in my head sort of helped me. Um, so it's, it's just, it's a strange mentality, like I say, from going, League One, just hoping to stay in the team. Premier League thinking, oh, yeah, like, okay, I, I need to adjust. And then going back to Championship zone, nah, I'm, I'm, I'm better than this level. Mm -hmm. and, and that's kind of what helped me helped me get through that season. To be fair then, if you're a defender that makes team of the season on those occasions without scoring 10 goals or whatever, it basically means that everybody in the league has decided that you're one of the most annoying two defenders in the league. So credit to you for being annoying. Celebrate the good times, yeah. <laughs> yeah, something like that. But that's it. But yeah, you know me, I, you know me the way I play and that. I'm, I've never been... And annoying, and and do you know what? I, I think helps when people like you. Yeah. And I'm not. I'm not saying. I'm not saying like I was everyone's best mate. Yeah. But my character and the way I am on a pitch, if I do tackle you, and I put a hard tackle in, I'm never trying to hurt you or anything mm -hmm. like that. Whereas you know, certain people I know when they're doing the team of the year, they're like, no, I don't like him. He smashed me in that game. Or, yeah, yeah. or he, he's 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 not a good guy. Blah blah blah. So. They take you out of the team, not on your ability, on your character. Yeah. So yeah. I think the fact that my character never really stirred too many feathers. Yeah. yeah it gave yeah. me the chance to yeah. get in. I see that. I see that. You know, when you were that young and you were captain, then what type of captain would you say that you were? I think I was more led by example in terms of performances on the pitch. Um, even though as a centre half, it's difficult to say like you're, you're. I'm not pulling up trees to win the games for us. Yeah. But in terms of you know, they could rely on me to stop people scoring to 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 combat any kind of threat because obviously we were an attacking team trying to go and, and win games most times mm -hmm. so you need to rely on your centre half you need to rely on your defence to make sure it's solid so I'd say that that was my side I was a one someone to look to in terms of to rely on but also my organisation has always been a big part of my game I hadn't but at this stage I hadn't quite developed the, the off the pitch kind of mm -hmm. captain role yet as such I still obviously you know odd bits and bobs but because there are other senior pros I didn't have to take that burden as such mm -hmm. and I think that kind of at that stage it worked for me because you know I learned from those other senior pros the likes of Paul Robinson the likes of of Neil Clement uh you know I tried to learn little bits from them so that as I did become that that captain captain um I had more in my in my armory mm -hmm. so then 
everything you've said to this point has been fantastic. Listeners are like, oh my God, this is like the best guy ever. He's for the team. He's, he's a great <laughs> guy. And then the moment comes where you hand in a transfer request. And first I want to say, in terms of the 16 years that I played, I tended to see transfer requests on things like football manager as opposed to real life. But to actually know somebody <laughs> that put one in, like it, it's, it's mind blowing. But how did that go down with the team who you were supposed to be leading? So the difficult part of it was that <clears throat> taking it back a year to when we got relegated from the Premier League, um, I had had a ch- had chances to go. Shall I say I had chances? I had, I had interest, but the club weren't budging. You know, I could have gone to, I'd, I'd say I could have gone to Arsenal, and at that time, to have gone to Arsenal with Arsene Wenger, yes. you know, and at Champions League pushing for um, Premier League titles, and they were known to play young lads. Mm-hmm. You know, Senderos played in my position. Johan Juru played in my position. Uh, Justin Hoyti played yeah. right back. Mm-hmm. You know, so they were known to give young lads a chance. It's not like um, like a dead end. It's not like you go in there and say, oh, yeah, I'll play for Arsenal. I'll get this big contract and yeah. I'll never play. Yeah. It was no. I could see a progression for me and it was a massive thing. But, you know, West Brom started slip, slapping silly prices on my head because, you know, signed me for three million and then they wanted 20 or something like that. Mm-hmm. And this, you've got to remember, this is 2006. Yeah, yeah. So, so it's not quite the same. So that happened then. But then, you know, Brian Robson, the manager, saying, listen, sign a new deal. Um, him and the chairman sat me down, sign a new deal. If you, like, sign a new deal, obviously up your money, whatever. But then if we don't go up, we'll let you go. And it kind of was, you know, they, I said, oh, about a buyout. And they said, we can't give you a buyout clause because we don't want to put a price on it. <laughs> and I was kind of of the idea, listen, the manager's here. I trust him. Um, I'll get, I'll, I'll be able to go if we don't go up. But, you know, I was hoping we went up because I was captain here and, you know, it would be my perfect path to, to stay here. <laughs> After, okay, we'll play later. Sorry, there's my daughter, as, as, as it were. Yeah, um, but, it's, yeah it's real I, life, I felt, this. It's real life. Yeah, exactly. But I felt... Um, yeah, if I stayed there, you know, going back into the Premier League as a captain again would, would be brilliant. And it, if anything, it opens up your market even more. But unfortunately, we didn't go up. We I was injured um, in March. I broke my foot. And then we lost in the playoff final to Derby. Um, and, you know, it was kind of documented. Like I said, I had this conversation with the chairman and the manager. Um, obviously, the manager had been sacked since then, so he couldn't back it up. But in terms of um, the, the chairman still there. So I gave it obviously a few days. I wasn't straight in his change room like some players have been straight after the final whistle, giving him a, a piece of paper. But, you know, let, let the dust settle. And then a few days later, and I kind of said, like, so what are you looking for? What, what kind of price are you looking for? To which he, he replied saying, um, no, we're not going to sell you. Right. So that's the side people don't see. You know, I was given this promise. It was a, it was a gentleman's agreement, a gentleman's promise. There was no nothing in paper. Um, but, you know, I was told if we don't go up, I can go. And then um, obviously that happens and he says, you can't. So I was only forced, the only way I can can force their hand is to make it clear and, and have a transfer request. But I didn't want to do it. But, you know, I turned into a different character because I felt that my trust had been broken from from for him. And, um, and I felt like, yeah, promises had been broken as well. So in the end of the day, it, it wasn't anything I wanted to ever do but it was necessary for me to, to take that next step in my career. Did the um, did your teammates understand, do you reckon, or not? Oh, yeah, my teammates were fine. My teammates were fine with me because ultimately the, the funny thing and the ironic thing is, um, I, like names have never, ever come out and I never would do it, say who they were. 
but there were other players trying to leave behind the scenes. Like, do you know what I mean? They, they were trying to leave behind the scenes, but they let me, failed. Let me quickly they, just type in the squad. No one second. Let me just type in. <laughs> but but they, 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 they failed medicals or, or couldn't agree prices or the club wouldn't let them go. But the difference is, obviously, with my interest, it was, it was that strong. I was confident and that's why I was happy, not happy, but I was, I was willing to put in a transfer request knowing that there's enough interest that I, I, I should be able to get over the line. Um, but I never ever wanted to go down like that because, again, I was proud to be captain of that football club I was proud to pull on the shirt of that football club, but it was just a, I was a victim of the circumstances of, I was hung out to dry, basically. You know, mm. there were other players that actually left in that window as well, but nothing was said. But it was just because I was the one that captain, you yeah. know, kind of pub, seen as publicly sulking as such. But it was never the case. It was just a case that I had to hand in a transfer request because if not, he never would let me go. So, you know, we'll get back to this sort of feel about perception soon, but... Anyway, you've moved on from West Brom and you've gone to the mighty Villa. Yeah, arguably, yeah. arguably the biggest club in your career. Would you say, would you agree with that? Yeah, 100%. Okay. Yeah. So before you tell me how those years were, I need you to please try and explain to me what you said to the press officer after you actually made your debut for the club. Because <laughs> I don't know who's writing your Wikipedia page, but as I was reading it, I could see you saying it and I could picture you back then and I actually found it quite funny. Do you remember it word yeah. for word or do you need me to try, just remind yeah. you? Yeah, it was, it was, it was Pat Murphy. Um, basically, you know, I'd signed for Villa. Um, I'd signed for them on deadline day because it just dragged out at West Brom. I didn't play in any of the games, but ironically, if I'm not playing in the games, I've ended in training. Um, just like a slight groin, hammy kind of um, strain, mm -hmm. which meant when I signed for Villa, I wasn't quite right. I was probably a week away. And then from there, <clears throat> um, Zat Knight signed as well. And Zat Knight played the first game. We beat Chelsea 2-0. Therefore, you know, centre half, you stay in the team. Yeah. So I've signed for all this money, thinking, yeah, I'm, I'm going to kick on at Villa, and then I found myself obviously on the bench. But you know, it is what it is. And then um, League Cup tie come up. We played Leicester, who are Championship, uh, played against Matty Fry and Ian Hume, and we lost two one at home. And <laughs> just my thoughts afterwards are were, you know, like I said, self analytical. Regardless of the result, I was self analytical straight away. And I think I'm always one that addresses the elephant in the room. So rather than me having this press conference and saying, we didn't do this, we didn't do that, we didn't do this, whatever, I just went straight for the jugular of myself <laughs> and just said, sorry. Do you want me to read the words for you or, or are you going <clears> to <throat> no, say them yourself? No, I just said, like I said, basically, you know. Yeah, listen, I, you can I, say I, basically, I, I've got it written down right here. Yeah, so don't I, basically me What I, I believe I said is <laughs> I've, been, I've been bigging myself up. Yep. Um, saying that I'm ready, yep. but clearly I'm not. I played like a pub player. Yeah, I was just awful. I didn't contribute anything. I've been bigging myself up saying I'm ready, and obviously I'm, obviously I'm not. I'm not good enough to get in the team yet. I'm honest with myself in every performance, so that was rubbish. I look like a pub team player. So yeah. as far as self-insults go, that's actually quite large, whether it's true or it's not, yeah? But yeah. do you think, looking back now, that was the right thing to say in that moment as a player? I always believe it, yeah, because... I think people see the humility in me. Okay. Because again, I could easily have dodged and said, oh yeah, we're really unlucky, you know, the way they scored their second goal. Oh yeah, this and that. And you see people dodge around things all the time. But I'm a player that's gone for, for, for a lot of money. And, you know, I, I, like I said, my biggest frustration was with, obviously the result was a big frustration, but just my contribution to it. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if I feel that, and again, it's the same in, you know, in a win. If, if it were a win, 
I still probably I might not have gone straight down the, the pub team player and talking about am <laughs> that's, I that's ready? The f- that's the first cat I've seen in a video. Oh, that's incredible. Yeah, but <laughs> just always wants to come. But yeah, I might have. Um, I still would have been self-critical because that's how I am. I could have played better type thing. It mm-hmm. wouldn't have been as emotional because we'd have won the game, but I would have been disappointed in myself still. And I think that's the key thing to remember because, like I say, for me, I think the more honesty you've got and humility, fans will see you for what you are. Yeah. And, and, and um, you know, journalists will see for what you are rather than kind of saying, oh, well, we're going to get him on and he's just going to start some lies. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why ultimately, you know, opportunities in the media and things like that now obviously all these years later but because i've got quite an honest calm thing, down calm down calm down yeah calm down because i've got an honest track record calm down it helps me <laughs> calm down calm down it's not a track record yet we finished talking about your career <laughs> yeah of course, calm yeah. down calm down so what was your relationship like then with the media because one thing i would say about that court itself is i feel like you could get the same sort of message across without making it seem so harsh on yourself if you know what i mean like that's what i might think after a game but I would just say I wasn't yeah. good enough because after that, I don't think the press or people would ask for details of how not good enough you are. You know what I mean? It's almost like they yeah. want to check the box first. But I think for me, it was I was punishing myself. Right. Okay. I think that's what I saw it as. It wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't to like get people off my back at home. Almost like you know, you know, if I say it first, then you can't hurt me. Mm-hmm. It wasn't anything like that. It was just me punishing myself because what I believed is this is my big opportunity. Show how good I'm against a championship side that I said. I bossed the championship, no problem. Yeah. And then we got beat 2-1. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So I that, that was my kind of thing that I let myself down. So like I was saying, with the press then, were you somebody who, like I always got, I've always got to put this in quotation marks, but do you think they treated you fairly? Yeah. I think because of... Not necessarily to do I with was, that issue, just throughout that your career to that point, would you say you were treated fairly by the press? Um, yeah, I think... I think in general, around football games... I was, but I think, you know, the way the story was twisted about my transfer request and things like that, certain outlets would have had one story and certain mm-hmm. outlets would have the other. So, you know, there's certain people that will be saying like greedy, blah, 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 and stuff like that. And then there'll be other ones that, obviously, because these are local rags. So if you get a West Brom writer, yeah. he's going to be quite West Brom biased. Yeah. But then you get the Villa writer, that's me going across the yeah. <laughs> across the city. Yeah. It, it's going to be a totally different narrative. So, um, I think in general that that saga was was badly reported, but I was kind of I was tongue tied because I wanted the move to go through, so I wasn't doing any media myself about that. But other than that, in my career, like I say, because I'm willing to talk to them, because I'm willing to to yeah. be honest and answer questions, and even if it's a question that's uncomfortable, I'm quite comfortable answering it in the way that I believe is okay. Yes. So I think they've always been all right with me, and they've always kind of tried to help me as well, to be honest, along the way because. You know, if, if you give them something, they'll give you something. And I think that's the importance of the media. Yeah, 100%. And so what were you like then when you had to deal with criticism from them, which you maybe you didn't agree with? Um, <clears throat> you know, I was never... You're never happy. If you, you know, you pick up the paper and someone... That, and I know nobody overanalyzes it, but you go and you're like, oh, like, you think you did well the weekend and you're yeah. looking and it's like, hang on, just because we lost 1-0, they're giving you a four, four or five in the paper. You're like... <laughs> Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So even though your ego does take over a bit, but I was never one for, oh, I'm going to call, oh, I'm not going to talk to him. Mm-hmm. It's just a case of like, that's their opinion, but I know my worth. And the same way that I get a seven when we've won a game 1-0, but I think, no, I wasn't. Mm-hmm. I'll know my worth that way. So I think 
again, that's the importance of it. When you know your worth and what your contribution was, you can never be upset or disappointed by what anyone else says to you. Yeah, wise words, old man. Very wise words. Help some young people listening <laughs> enough, to that. Enough of the old man. <laughs> well, you're older than me and that's saying something. So anyway, back to Villa then. So how do you look back on those years? Do you think you lived up to your potential and your price tag or not? I think in terms of... It's difficult. So my performances on the pitch, What the only thing I can say is performances on the pitch got me in England squads, like full England squads. Yeah. Got me, um, we finished sixth in the league twice. So in terms of performances on the pitch, I think I I was worth my value because, you know, I was I was competing and, you know, we were getting into European competition, pushing for the top four, but never quite making it. But I was still in and around, you know, fighting for a chance to get an England squad. So I'd say that side of it, yes, I think I fulfilled my potential in terms of value. But the other side was, you know, I got I got um, an Achilles injury, which I returned from, uh, no problem. And I, I played, if anything, the next season, I played every single, well, not every single game, but I played 34 of the league games. So that wasn't a problem. But then after my second injury, when I, I did my shoulder, I was kind of left by the wayside. And what I think, if anything, in, in my total opinion is, by leaving me by the wayside is what devalued me and devalued my, not not saying legacy, but devalued my chances at Villa mm-hmm. because, you know, when I, when I did my shoulder and, you know, had the operation three days before that, I'd scored at Anfield in the league. We won three, one mm-hmm. in my last ever league game for, for Villa. Mm-hmm. So that's my last ever league game. And people will say you're a failure. I'd have to. That's logic. That. You're using, exactly. you're using logic to, yeah. to have an argument with people which is unacceptable because in 2021 we don't need logic or facts yeah, exactly it's just about feelings yeah but but for me like i say i think when after coming back from that shoulder injury i was um i was asking to go on loan because i was realistic we'd signed james collins and richard dunn both experienced pros both very good players and, and they were playing really well at the time so for me i was looking at the list i was fifth choice behind those two, Carlos Cuellar and Kieran Clark, because Kieran Clark had stepped up since I'd been injured. Yeah. So I looked at it realistically, like we're flying high in the league, we're, we're getting to cup semi-finals, whatever, blah, blah. I said to the manager, listen, I've had Wigan uh, with Martinez and Celtic uh, on to go on loan. And I just said, which is the right thing to do. I, I just want to go on loan for six months and I want to come back and fight for my place, which is what I wanted to do. I wanted to play for Aston Villa. It wasn't about like jumping ship, I wanted to play for Aston Villa and see what I said to you about fighting a losing battle. Mm-hmm. I knew if I'd said I'm going to get in the team there, then that would have been a losing battle. Yep. But in terms of going on loan, having a full season, come back in pre-season ready, mm-hmm. I would have been able to fight for my place. But I was denied the opportunity to go on loan, kind of told, no, 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 I need you, you'll be involved. And then what happened was you end up being in the squad, in the squad on the bench, in the squad on the bench, blah, blah, blah. And it's like a, a rainbow. And it just came down and then at the end, it just literally passed January and then I was out of the squads. Yeah. And I was watching games. So it kind of <clears throat> if they'd let me go on loan, I would have kept the value in terms of both my playing value for myself, but a, a, a monetary value for the club. But because they did that, I ended up not playing for a year until I went to Leicester. Mm-hmm. And ultimately by then, you know, I've got I've got a couple of years left on my deal and and you know, uh, ultimately they they lost money on me rather than, I guess, being my fault. So do you think you were being lied to when you were in those final stages at Villa? 
or were they being honest with you and you just, I don't know, you just had to react to that? I personally, I think there was politics in terms of my contract. If I, I needed um, a certain amount of games. Uh, one of those. Six, six, yeah, one 60 games to, to trigger to trigger an extra year on improved terms. So even if, it's, if it was a pound more, um, I would have got an extra year. Mm-hmm. So I think what happened was they were happy with Dunn and Collins. They're happy with Carlos Cuellar being there and Kieran Clark as, as the youngster. So I think they kind of just thought, well, we'll try and move him on. But like I said, the best thing they could have done there was to let me go on loan, get me a market, and then I would have gone. And yeah. if they just told me that, yeah. but because it was all smoke and mirrors and no, 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 you're going to be involved and you end up going a year without playing. And then I was almost stubborn about going back to the championship because I'd had these opportunities, be it Celtic who are Champions League and, and Wigan who are still in the Premier League. And then they turned those down. But yet in the October or the September, I end up going to Leicester in the championship. And I was well, not, I was stubborn about about it in terms of I'm better than this but it was just like well I had these offers before you wouldn't let me go said I was going to be involved mm-hmm. and then now you're saying oh I can go there and that kind of obviously frustrated me but if anything the time at Leicester is what what saved my career because it, it's probably the most the most I've enjoyed football okay. in, in my whole career in, in those 12 games playing for Sven um, being part of that I think it's the most I've enjoyed my football in my whole career yeah Sven, <clears throat> Sven's a good guy I like Sven. I had him for a yeah. season at City, yeah. So after that Leicester spell then, you went to Birmingham, is that right? That's correct, yeah. So, so obviously, it, like, it looks kind of wild that you're upset with Villa, you're having your issues. So where do you go? You just go across, you just go down the road. You say, <laughs> I'm just going to go and play for Birmingham. So did you feel added pressure going over there, given how you'd left Villa? Or was it a case of just a new club and you can just crack on? It was, it was the next club that would take me. Because I looked at it that I wanted to sign for Leicester. I'm being totally honest. I wanted to sign for Leicester because I'd enjoyed it that much with Sven um, in terms of, you know, taking over my contract or anything like that wouldn't have been a problem to them. Mm-hmm. I-, I wanted to sign for Leicester. And what I did is I actually signed on loan for Leicester. So on the 26th, because they were trying to sell me in January. So I was back at Villa for the whole month and they were trying to get rid of me. But then nothing had come up. So <clears throat> I think on like the 26th of the month, say, um, I'd signed for Leicester on loan, signed back on loan. So I literally signed the papers, got back home. Um, obviously, Villa still have to submit their side of the papers. Then my agent called me at 10 o'clock at night, don't go into Leicester tomorrow. I was like, what? what? Why? What's happening? He goes, oh, it's not happening. I was like, what? Like thinking Villa have pulled the plug. He said, oh, no, Birmingham have, have come in with a permanent offer and Villa want to do that. And I was like, uh, okay. And Birmingham were Premier League. Um, Scott Dan had just done his hamstring. So I was of the idea that, yeah, okay. I, I've I've done well at Leicester. I've 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 enjoyed that those three month, three months. I'd like to have signed to Leicester still if they if maybe if they had offered the same and mm-hmm. and that opportunity, I may well have signed for them because of how much I enjoyed it there. Um, but the fact of the matter was, you know, Birmingham was the off on the table, three and a half year contract. Uh, I've got mouse to feed, so I saw it that a good opportunity go back to the Premier League, hopefully play, which is what I thought I was getting signed for, <laughs> um, and then. <laughs> And then, obviously, from there, you get to build your career again. Mm-hmm. But it, it turned out being a bit of a, a bit of a different story when I when I actually got there. And why was that? Um, I don't know. McLeish signed me, obviously, for what I was going to play um, when I first went there. So it was it might have been Liam Ridgewell maybe playing centre half, or there was Urinek, Martin Urinek. Um, but whoever it was, they, they were playing. Which is, you know, if if you're saying that they're in the team, they're in the team. That's fine. But when you sign to play 
you know, in January especially. Yeah. And, and you don't. And then what happened was, you know, the, the worst thing that happened to me was was them winning the Carling Cup or, or Carabao, whatever it was back then. Because what happened is, so that was in like February, whenever we had a bad moment, he always tried to get back to that team. Right, okay. So regardless of people having knocks, having injuries, blah, blah, blah. Because, you know, I played the week after the, or the week after the Carabao Cup when we lost to West Brom in the league. Um, but like I was thrown in a team that had eight changes. Nine, yeah. So I never actually was playing in the first team. And then next time I played, I played in uh, the FA Cup game, FA Cup game again, wholesale changes, playing like Nathan Redmond was only 16, 17 playing. And so, you know I mean, so things like that, like I'm not playing in your first team and then you're judging me. Mm-hmm. So I always felt like I was being judged in something that isn't a realis- realistic situation. So, you know, ultimately it comes, came to the, the biggest, biggest time in, in the season was, and what I, in my opinion, was the biggest crucial point. We were playing Liverpool away, and um, it's off. I think it's April time, and you know we had injuries. So Riggi was injured. Um, I think there were a couple of us injured. So basically, I was going to play, but Stevie Carter, captain, saying, "Listen, be ready. You're going to play the weekend." Blah blah blah. The captain, you know, experienced pro, in with the managers and stuff like that. Come the Thursday, I think Martin Uranek joins back in training, but literally been out for seven weeks with some uh, foot toe issue. Joins in training, but like, you know, only does the first part of the training. Then Friday, you know, Friday's only short, does a a little bit on Friday. And then, look, he's traveling. So thinking, oh, it's just maybe traveling, getting back into the swing of things, you know, maybe, maybe be on the bench. And then it's probably the only time I've ever been petulant, like properly petulant <laughs> at, at, at a game. But, you know, we had the meeting at the hotel. Board is flipped over. I'm not in the team. After the captain all week is telling me I'm playing. So my head is about fried. Thinking I've not had an opportunity already. This is my one opportunity where you, you really need me to play and you still don't go with me. So literally get to the ground. I'm still in a sulk. I'm literally... In my tracksuit, I swear my life, because I'm number 32. So it goes around, obviously, number order. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm right next to the manager and the staff. So I'm literally sat next to the manager in my tracksuit two minutes before we go out, get my gear on, and walk out. Right. And that's the only time I've ever been petulant. We end up losing that game 5-0. Now, that doesn't seem, you know, it's Liverpool. It could have been a tough game. We lose that game 5-0. I'm not saying it was your next fault individually. Yeah. But when you've got someone that hasn't played for that long, and he's carrying an injury, you know, you, you put your team at sixes and sevens, unsure about things. So we lost that 5-0. Coming into the season, I played the last game of the season at Tottenham. I had a really, really good game. Um, but due to goal difference, mm. we had to go and try and win the game. Right. And in the end, we ended up losing the game 2-1. But that's because Wolves had scored one goal and ended up... Wolves were staying up based on goals scored. Right, Okay. So what I'm saying is, I'm not saying I would have stopped us losing that game against Liverpool, mm-hmm. but if we'd only lost that two or three nil, makes a big difference. We would have stayed in the league. Yeah, that's crazy. And yeah, but but, <laughs> but then you go down anyway, and you're playing in the championship again. And lo and behold, guess who gets in the PFA team of the season? It's the guy. <laughs> it's Big Dave, Big Curtis Davis. You know what I mean? Like it. Yeah. Something's clear. But you, so obviously you, you do well at that point. And you do so well that Hull come in for you. I think it was as they were going back up to the Premier League. Yeah, is that right? No. So the first season, um, so I had a, a season in the Championship with Chris Hutton. 
so Chris Hutton was the manager and we were in Europe. We had, so we had a season where we had 62 games or something. Right. So <clears throat> across, across like the league, the league, the cups and everything, I ended up playing 55 games that season and did really well. Great relationship with Chris. Um, the way he worked, the way he wanted to do things, the trust he put in me, massive. You know, we lost in the, in, ended up losing in the playoffs. Um, so what happened in the summer is there was interest from a couple of Premier League clubs, but nothing too solid. But Chrissy went to Norwich. Right. And I thought I was going to Norwich. So I thought all along, I'm going to go to Norwich, go to Norwich. What happened is they sold Jack Butland to... Stoke, was it? Stoke. Yeah, so they sold Jack Butland to Stoke. Therefore, they didn't need any more money in and they wanted to give it another go. So Jack Butland stayed on loan and therefore I wasn't going anywhere. So I had another season with Lee Clark and unfortunately that season wasn't as successful, shall I say. Um, <laughs> I think we ended up finishing, we still might have finished 12th or 13th, but considering we hadn't lost many players from the, the playoff season, um, it was a big disappointment for, for me personally and, and I think for a few of us in the squad. So once that season finished, that is when Hull had been promoted. And I just remember being on holiday. Um, I, I kind of, I kind of thought I was going Norwich still. <laughs> right, I always okay. thought, basically, every, every window, you know, I still had the sniff of Norwich. Um, but, but when I was on holiday, my, my agent was ringing up my phone. I thought, oh, here we go. And then I uh, thought it was going to be Norwich, and it was Hull. Right. Um, so you know, I knew Steve Bruce liked me from his time at Birmingham. He tried to sign me there, and um, yeah, it was a no-brainer for me. You know, people talk about oh, moving up to Hull and things like that. I think the monkeys. I was going to play in the Premier League. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, I was I was delighted to go sign there, and it was um, it was a really great move for me. Yeah, so the guy goes up to Hull, and then lo and behold, he gets into he gets the Player of the Year award for that team in the Premier League, which isn't too bad now. So you sneak in a few of these awards. So without flexing too hard now, be very very honest. Do you think you deserved all those awards that you received to that point? Yeah. Ah, oh, that's all. That, that's all I need to hear. You don't even need to explain yourself. No, I, think, explain I think yourself. I think one that I think one that I'm not saying I don't deserve it, but you know. For a centre half, if we go back to Luton, a centre half to win Division Player of the Year, I think is is crazy in my opinion. You know, you get people like Leroy Lita scored, I think twenty eight goals that year. Um, uh, what's his name, Stuart from Hull? Uh, I can't remember his surname. I should know that as a as an ex Hull player as well. But <laughs> yeah. he he scored he scored something like twenty eight goals as well. But me as the centre half, I got it. So. I'm not saying I didn't deserve it, but that one was a bit more of an eyebrow raised, but I was buzzing, you know, had yeah. it on the CV and that kind of thing. But, but you know, player this season, so, you know, I've had somewhere, obviously, you know, there's, there's, there's three or four of you that probably you'd say are up for it and it's just on choice. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, I, I think, I think I did deserve the player of the year that season because I think it's the best season I've ever had in football um, individually as a, as a player. Right. That's tough. So unfortunately for Hull, uh, around the time when you were there, obviously you stayed up in the first season, but then you then experienced the whole yo-yo phenomenon. Being put yep. labelled as one of those clubs, and it's not a label which just appears by accident. It's because you are staying up, you're going down, you're going up, yep. going down, and so on. So in that time, obviously it, it's tough because I kind of experienced it with QPR. But for you then, did you perform better for Hull when you were an underdog in the Premiership or a frontrunner in the Championship? Um, I think... You know, I think the accolades are higher when you're in the Premier League. So if we, you know, when we beat Liverpool, say, and I'm playing against Suarez and we beat them 3-1, it's like, wow, mm. Davis, what a player, blah, blah. 
Whereas I felt in the championship, there's an expectancy of me to win, uh, to be the man every week. And it's not a problem with that. I'll take that expectancy because I expect myself to be. Mm-hmm. But the praise doesn't come from it. So for me, it was, it was, I found playing in the championship was not the problem in terms of um, reaching a level. It was just the outside perception of, of the expectancy. So by having, in my opinion, an average game in the Premier League, but against a good side, you get accolades because you're only whole. Mm-hmm. Whereas Hull in the championship, if we draw nil-nil, but batter Rotherham, oh, Hull, you know, they, they couldn't get over the line today, not good enough, they're not going to go up. Do you know what I mean? So it's just the mindset. And again, it's about balance. I felt that at that level, no problem. Um, we're, like We've got a good team. Um, back my team, back myself. Um, but yeah, I, I think I liked the idea of chasing something, to be honest, rather than trying to hang on. Okay. Um, I, think, I, think, I think I did enjoy it. The chasing look obviously playing the Premier League is one thing, but you're still going to lose a lot of games. Yeah, but in the Championship where you say no, we're going on a run now. We're going to win this game, win that game. I think that was that was that was big, especially when you are going up back to the Premier League. You want that kind of momentum. Yeah, for sure. So after that yo-yo period, you've now got the relative stability of playing for Derby County in the Championship for the last four seasons. I, I emphasise relative. But yeah. yeah, what are the expectations actually like for a club? Because more often than not, I tend to see them, and I think everyone tends to see them in and around the playoff places. Is the expectation every year that this has to be the year? Or is it a case of, you know, with if things go away, this could be the year? I think ever since Derby had the, um, the dreaded 12-point season, um, it's always been, we need to get back up and we need to get back up now. Yeah. So that was, two, so that was 2008 season. Uh, two thousand seven eight season because that they beat us in the playoffs at, when I was at West Brom. Um, so since then it's always been this has to be the year. This has to be the year. This has to be the year. And more often than not, Derby have been in and around those playoff places. And you know, since in my time here, um, the first year with Gary Rowett, we got to the playoffs. We lost to Fulham, and then the next year with with Frank, we we got to the playoffs. I was injured, but we got to the playoffs and lost in the final to Aston Villa. Um, but then you know. The teams come away from that since, and mm. it's um it's difficult because you know when you have a chairman that puts all this money in trying to get you to a level, and then he has to readjust what he wants to do. Um, sometimes you know you miss that boat, but that's not to say that what's in our squad and and the belief around the squad isn't thinking towards that. But evidently, from our season last year and our season so far this year, um, we we have to improve vastly if we're even going to think about playoffs and, and, and get into the Premier League. Yeah, for sure. So I'm noticing a pattern here anyway. So a London boy. You, you from East London or where are you from? Yeah, East London, you're yeah. From, so he's from, East, Leighton, yeah. He's, in, he's from East London. The guys played for Luton, which is outside of London. You went, you've been at Hull, but aside from that, you've essentially just lived in the Midlands. Is this purely coincidence or is this by choice now? Purely coincidence. When I, so when I left Luton, again, didn't have any clue that I was going to be going anywhere until literally I got a call on deadline day from from Mike Newell saying, you've got to go talk to West Brom. So West Brom, again, I knew it was near Birmingham. I didn't know it was in Birmingham, whatever, but I'd hardly left London. Yeah. <laughs> other, than, other than for football, I'd hardly left London. So, you know, I, w- I went up and, you know, that's my first uh, place in Birmingham, I guess. And then after that, when I left West Brom, I always thought I was going to Tottenham. Okay. So even though Arsenal came in the year before, I always thought I was going to Tottenham um, because they were the first ones to actually bid. So that, that season where I was handing in the transfer requests, 
all along I'm thinking I'm planning going back home. I'm planning I'm looking at houses uh, back where I'm from <laughs> because the training ground from where I live so so from from my apartment now the training ground or their old training ground shall I say was 10 minutes right okay. so but i'm planning on oh yeah you can buy a house there yeah so i'm, I'm planning in my head where i'm gonna live yeah blah blah back home love it and it ended up being that the tottenham one fell away you know i guess daniel levy didn't want to budge on the price and villa picked it up which i was totally happy with because villa's a massive club as well and, and at that time we were better than tottenham yeah okay we, we were finishing above tottenham we were beating tottenham so it wasn't a problem in terms of it wasn't like uh the booby prize it wasn't like the wooden spoon yeah, yeah it was it was a proud move but i just wasn't expecting it so and then even then you know going on loan i thought i was going wigan or celtic yeah end up going on loan to leicester yeah <laughs> and, and it's just it just it just never came around that there was ever a chance to go home and then obviously my wife's from here so you know since obviously moving back to derby as well particularly um we've had our youngest daughter since then this is my home now. Yeah. Birmingham is my home, mm-hmm. and I think obviously, listen. As you get older, it's not. It's not the same. It's not like I'm going to go back. I'm going to see all my mates. We're going to yeah, go yeah. out and do. You know what I mean, but it just. It's just been total coincidence. But listen, I, I, lo- I love living in Birmingham. I love. I love the place, and and it is home for me. You know, I've I've spent more of my adult life here than I have in in London. Yeah. Okay. So now let's let's deviate away from football for a second. So you've got a first class honors degree in professional sports writing and broadcasting, and that's from June in 2020. So. Yeah. Usually when I hear footballers that are doing some form of like uh, higher education or whatever, it's not necessarily what you have done your stuff in. So what is the actual purpose for that for you? Um, I think it was just interest. If I'm being totally honest, you know, to do the media, to do, when I say do the media, to, to get jobs in the media, you don't need a qualification. It's not like a coaching badge where... Oh, I've got this, I can wave it at Sky, I can wave it at BTR, mm-hmm. give me a job. Mm-hmm. It's just, for me, I was always interested in it. Um, I wanted to do it years ago, but the course was a bit more difficult in terms of trying to get to class and stuff, whereas this one was more remote learning um, in in class every six weeks. So it suited me, you know, coming back to the Midlands because it was based in Stoke. Yeah, it suited me. So I did it basically to expand on what I already believe I know about the media and believe what I'm good at. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it gave me more skills in terms of, you know, writing skills got better. Um, you know, you learn about the laws, you take you take an appreciation for the production side of, of the way, be it a podcast put together, yeah. be it a radio show, a TV show, um, behind the camera. It just, just opened my eyes to all the different sides that you need to appreciate and what you need to do to, to, to basically put something together. Mm-hmm. So I think even though, you know, not planning on being a cameraman or, or being the editor or anything like that as such. It just it just was something I was really interested in and I took to, obviously, and I did really well at and unfortunately I got first class honors. Fortunately. This guy. Like you've been you've been bragging all the show and now for the for the one thing which most people don't have. Yeah, you know, I was fortunate I was fortunate to have worked really hard and and really excelled at this thing which I which I didn't have to do. You've got some though, ain't you? No, 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 not like that. And I don't, and I don't intend on having any. To be honest, I'm, I'm enjoying my free time. I'm very much enjoying it. <laughs> so to go back to football again quickly. So, what do you think it's been about you as a person and as a player then that's helped you? That's helped you make it this far? Because we're talking about over 550 games. We're talking about nearly 200 games in the Premier League. We're talking about call ups for England and stuff like this. Like, what, what has it been about you? Do you think? Um. I think kind of my attitude has been never be satisfied. I think through life, um, not, not saying always want more in terms of 
like money or whatever if that is your motivation then that's fine that's no problem but in terms of always you know wanted to do better always wanted to better myself always wanted to to get to the next level and even now you know I'm going to be 36 at the end of the season but I have to set myself challenges because you know the moment you stop challenging yourself is the moment you might as well step away and I think I think that's the way I've always been you know I think it's it's I see it as a privilege to to be a footballer I see it that, you know, some people never play the game, let alone get to the amount of games I've got. Some people never play a league game, let alone play in the Premier League. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just see myself as the the humble guy that come, came from a council estate in East London. And ultimately, if I had nothing when I left football, I'm, I'll, I'm no worse off than I would have started. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's the way I kind of see it is I try and try and enjoy every moment of it because it's, again, it's, I've had a long career, but is a short career in terms of life yep. and I, I try to just to just enjoy every part of it and, and and make the most of it so you're trying to enjoy it but then always remember to believe in continuous improvement that's what you're trying to say is that right yeah 100 percent. because kaizen I, 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 is that again, the word kaizen you heard of kaizen before i, d- I don't know no you, you, you're better with all this, this guy's got a first <laughs> in broadcasting and writing skills he doesn't even know the word kaizen now I, I know what you're saying and i think for me, looking back to when you first came on board with the under-21s, because you were like me and we were behind Anton, we were behind Stephen Taylor. I think it was Michael Dawson playing as well during that time. Yeah, so the, the, the senior group, so what, because we do it in two years, don't we? So they yeah. were they were just there still. So it's like, you know, Dawson, um, maybe Callum Davenport maybe even was. Yeah, yeah, possibly. Maybe, yeah. Possibly. But, but looking back then, like we were, we felt like we were the next in line and, you know, we were still behind those players and stuff. But the noise that was around you then compared to the noise that was around you when all of a sudden you're playing for Aston Villa in the sixth in the Premier League and you're playing week in, week out. Not many people I don't think would have put you there, but you put yourself there. And I think that's the stuff which you have to credit yourself for. I have to give you credit for and you should pat yourself on the back for because you have, you've shown that you've had the belief in yourself from a very, very young age. But not only have you had the belief, you've backed it because some people talk a great game, but some people are playing it every single day. You know, so I say yeah. you're definitely one of those. So to stop rubbing your back and massaging your ego for a second, <laughs> which but, uh, carry on. No, I'm done. I'm done. That's me for 2021. There's not going to be another guest yeah. where I give him a single compliment. But which um, manager do you think in the years that you've played so far has managed to get the best out of you, and why? Um, I'd say overall, I think Chrissy Uton, based on having that whole season, um, having the disappointment of signing for a club, believing you're going to play, um, being so disappointed that you've now been relegated with this club, everyone else leaves, you're kind of one of the last ones standing. Like All those kind of sides that I had to get out of my head to then go and mount a promotion push, I think he was the perfect manager. Mm-hmm. The way he wanted to play, um, the personnel that we had, he was brilliant. Uh, even even like the the sign the way he had the squad. I know it helps when you've got um, a sixty two game season, but you know everyone was on board. So someone that that was out of the squad knows that the next game when it comes to Europe they might even play. So he had that kind of way of keeping everyone on side, and that's a unique skill to have. That if you're able to keep people on side that aren't playing and and aren't even in the squad, some of them, then that's a fantastic manager for me. Yeah, and I think I think the way we worked. Um, was was really good and, and like I said and also the, the role that he gave to me in that, in that team to to be like a leader and to be you know a, a, a vocal point of the team um, was was massive for me but that's a whole season but again what I'd say is the most influential 
part of my career were those 12 games at Leicester because I signed for Sven, the ex-England manager. And this is considering I hadn't played for a year. And he just turned around and said to me, oh, you come here, you express yourself, enjoy yeah. it. Yeah. That's and I'm fair. a centre half. And uh, for me, that I haven't played for a year. And then, you know, I had Kyle Norton as well came along at the same time. Me and him were doing one twos up and down the right <laughs> wing and stuff like that. Like, and, but that's it. But I, I felt a freedom. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. And that's not to say I, I lost my defensive ability and I was now trying to be a, do you know what I mean, a, attacking defender, dribbling and stuff. But it was just like having that freedom of, he's just said to me, basically, do what I want. Mm -hmm. And to know you've got someone that backs you that much, a former England manager, that just lifted me mentally because I was in a low place. Mm -hmm. But then once I actually started performances on the pitch, um, he obviously was happy with me there as well. Yeah, so that's the thing, isn't it? Sport, life, trust. It's a big thing, isn't it? Yeah. If you know you yeah. have it, you can achieve anything. So which club do you think is the most fond of you then? Hull City. And why is that? I think it's the, when we talk about underdog mentality, um, you know, the club has been an underdog the whole time in existence. But I played and captained the club in its highest moments. Yeah. So um, in terms of, you know, we got to FA Cup final, scored an FA Cup final, um, we obviously had an FA Cup semi-final at Wembley another day at Wembley for them we had a playoff final where we won I captained the first ever game for, for Hull in Europe um, and just, just the way that the fans took to me there and the way I took to all of them and, and understanding them if you know what I mean mm -hmm. they're all to be, to be honest Hull's a place where you know a lot of people follow follow their, their local club but they only started probably supporting Hull once they got to the high levels I know it sounds yeah. silly yeah I know what you're saying yeah it's almost like your, your your hometown club has caught up the team you actually support. Yeah. Um, but but because of that, everyone's invested in it though. That's the difference. So when you go to a place like Hull and, and again it's too far away, one of those places too far away where, you know, everyone lives. So all all of the players lived there and it was kind of like we all bought into the community, we all bought into everything that they wanted to do. And and I think, you know, certain things I've done off the pitch with with different charities and different people, um, I think yeah, that's where I'll be fondest remembered. Okay. So, previously you spoke about how you, you thought you were perceived fairly by the media, yeah? Even though there were still one or two people who'd be associated with clubs or fan bases who maybe had a different opinion because they couldn't necessarily yeah. separate the fan from, you know, the columnist or whatever. But now you're doing more media. Does any of that affect the way that you speak on other players? Or are you speaking the same as, say, Curtis Davis, but this time just as a pundit? I think, if I'm being totally honest, when you're still a current player, you always need to toe the line because you've got to be respectful that regardless of, of your opinion, it's, it's the way you say it, mm -hmm. you know? So if I'm doing um, commentary or doing punditry for a Premier League game, and it's not to say that that because it's Premier League game, they're better than me or they're worse than me or whatever it is, but it's the perception of I'm playing in the championship slash injured at the moment. And if I try and call out, Harry Maguire, who's a friend of mine, but I'm just using him as an example about his defending or anything like that. And I go, oh, he's useless. Like that kind of, you know, them, them clickbait kind mm -hmm. of comments. Mm -hmm. Then that means, sorry, my daughter. No, that's fine. Don't apologize. Don't apologize. It's fine. Um, yeah, so that, that clickbait kind of comment, that's kind of going to be detrimental to me because, you know, there's some moment I have a bad game. Everyone's going to be on me. Oh, remember you said that about Harry, the England captain, blah, blah, blah. Uh, a Man United captain and England player. Yeah, look at him. He's useless. So I don't ever go that way because, but but you know me, that's not my character anyway. Mm -hmm. But what I would say is 
I try to be honest, as I always have been. So, you know, if someone has been poor, I'm going to have to say, like, it's a bad, bad performance from them, you know, but you usually dress it up with, for the, for their level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They are, yeah, yeah. They, they, they'll be disappointed with themselves. Giving away the secrets you are. Yeah, yeah, but but that, that's how it works. It's kind of, you need to toe the line, but I think the only controversial thing I've probably said in my, um, in my media career, short media career so far is, is when um, asked a question about Jordan Pickford's tackle on Van Dyke. Yeah. And and I, I just said I believe there was malicious intent, and I wasn't I wasn't targeting Jordan Hen, uh, Jordan Jordan Pickford as 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 an individual. Mm-hmm. I just mean in the tackle, I thought the tackle was was reckless. Yeah. Um, so that that's the only thing I've probably said, but but that was me being honest and looking at something and seeing it as two players don't get who they are. I think that's a really bad tackle. I think he's gone to hurt him. Yeah, I, I and, see, and that's the most. Yeah, I see that. And for me, being say, potentially one step ahead of you in terms of that career right now because I don't play anymore. One thing I'll yeah. say is I'm, I'm the same as you from when I was playing, I would tell the line because I think once what's missing in a lot of media, not not for everyone, there's a lack of empathy about being in that situation. Oh, yeah. And it's 100%. crazy because a lot of the people who expressed those opinions were there and they were going through what you, whatever someone on the field was going through. Like when sometimes they'll say, why is this team not pressing today? It's ridiculous. It's like they've got no passion. But the team for Monday through Friday worked on not pressing for the game at the yeah. weekend. You know, like understand because you've been given instruction before by a manager, which you may have disagreed with, which maybe didn't suit the tone that was being addressed in the media. But that's what's been given to you as a strategy for a game. You know what I mean? Yeah. So when and they... it's realizing that, yeah, it's realizing that you're on there as the former footballer to give analytical. Yes. So 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 you should be able to see that. Oh, it looks like they're playing a mid block. They're not gonna press. Today. Yes, yes. So, so, so it's it's if 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 you're just talking, oh, they usually press. They're not doing it. This is this is rubbish. Yeah. Then the, the fan at home that listens to you as the football guy mm-hmm. are actually buying into that, and 100%. their now the, their narrative is, oh, why aren't they pressing? Yeah. Whereas if you're able to explain and articulate, oh, well, actually they're probably worried about the fact that you know, so and so have got pacing behind, so they're not going to press, they're not going to leave spaces, blah blah blah. Then then you get more of a yeah respect in the community because people people say he knows what he's talking about that's perfect that's that's literally it like that's what i found myself talking about a lot more because i'm hearing some views and opinions which are fair enough because they're view their opinions they're not facts but they're being delivered as facts but i can counter them with something yeah. which is like for me objectively the case like this is why teams do that now that's why a team is set up this way that's why a manager is doing what he's doing it's not because of what you believe it is and as well, yeah. like for some of the pros, I'm I'm going to be very, very wary for as long as I do media to not sound like the angry ex-pro because I understand the yeah. game. The game has moved bitter, on. Bitter ex-pro especially. The game, yeah, that's the one. The game has moved on. The game is in a different place to what it was when we, we when we first started playing. But that's fine because so is the world. You're essentially yeah. trying to be the same, the person who says, no, the world was better 30, 40 years ago compared to what I'm seeing now. And the only reason you don't want to accept what you're seeing now is because it doesn't suit the way that you were brought up, if you know what I mean. Like we were... Yeah. We were raised playing games like pick up sticks and throwing a ball in a cup and stuff like that. But that's the same yeah. thing. Well, get rid of the PlayStations and Xboxes because that was enough for us. Just get, just give yeah. them yo-yos yeah. and they'll be fine. Like, no, just just embrace the change and try and learn about it instead of just saying yeah. it's wrong. But that's what they do. And um, one thing which I wanted to ask you here now is like, what do you think, you've kind of alluded to it, but what do you think you'll be bringing to that media side yourself that is going to add value to that whole scene as opposed to just becoming another talking head with the same talking points? Um, 
I don't know. I, I, I won't reinvent the wheel by any means, but I'm just, I'm very honest. I'm very analytical in terms of, you know, I look at the, like I say, I look at the big picture. I'm like that as a, as a fan at home. Mm-hmm. I can't watch a game of football, even if it's nothing to do with me, if it's nothing to do with Derby County. I can't watch a game of football and not be analysing it. So I've got a very analytical brain. So I'm always trying to think of the analytical view to, to give the, the listeners, shall I say, and, and try and break that down for them. But I just I just see myself as an, an honest, we'll say it as it is in a respectful way, um, yeah, type sure. person. But I also see it that, you know, I, I have experience of these different levels. So, you know, when you get a, a former Premier League player maybe talking about League One and, mm. you know, certain things. It's, you know, you never played the League One. You've mm-hmm. played in stadiums where there's 50,000 people, blah, blah, blah. Whereas, whereas, you know, if I say, oh, I haven't played in League One, don't get me wrong, it was years ago. But I can draw on these different experiences that I've got. And mm-hmm. I think that's that's a big thing I try to do. When, when I'm, rather than it be how the game's changed and, and what this and that does, I've tried to say, well, if it's about something that I want to kind of say in my day, I say, well, having played in, in this position or having played against teams that do this, I always found this, this, this. Mm. I try and draw it to my experiences rather than to say, oh, in my day or, do you know what I mean? And, yeah. and I think that, that sometimes gets you more respect because, again, it, it's not saying they should do it this way. It's you saying, when I've played against the system, I believe we did this, 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 and this worked. Do you know what I mean? So it's kind of not saying I know everything. I'm better than Jose Mourinho. Yeah. It's it's kind of saying different things to to get your point across, but but try and you know find a formula. Before we move on to one of the last two topics, that's again that's such a good point that you make because for years now, whenever we'd be watching TV, if it was Sky or whatever, you'd find some of these pundits who are the big names in English football, who've won leagues, won Champions Leagues, and so on and so forth. And I remember a narrative where they used to criticise teams who celebrated finishing fourth from bottom. And I jumped on with that because I used to believe it until one season when I finished fourth from bottom in the Premier League. And that feeling there, when you maintain your status, you maintain your salary, you maintain the jobs of people who work for the club. You know, you've gone through the stress of losing most weeks in a season. You've had to fight so hard as the underdog for 38 games. And then all of a sudden, someone's on TV is like, why are they even celebrating? This is so stupid. How can they celebrate something like that? Like, understand, read the room, understand there's more to football than solely going for titles. There are more players than 25 or whatever in the top three teams or whatever that go for something. There's there's more to it. I think that the more rounded an opinion you can get on those situations, I think the more you can sort of, you can, people who listen and watch can actually, I feel like they can learn they can learn something of value instead of just hearing somebody talk about talk the old all the old talking points like a soon s moan and everything because you know back in his day this team were the best thing that was ever seen because they did this yeah. but yeah um, i think cool. i think you I think you said that perfectly because you know ultimately most tv channels the panel is elitist yeah it's played for liverpool played for manchester united played for chelsea Played for played in Champions League, whatever. Which I totally understand. If if you believe that their their input is going to be better than than a person that hasn't won a title or a person, then that's fine. What I'm saying is, but like you just touched on, the side of it where you've got a big relegation battle game, and you've got elitist players talking about the struggle at the bottom. Yeah. What do they know? No. I think I think and that, and that's not, and I think that's where there's a window to maybe shoehorn the likes of Amin, yeah. who's had relegations, 
Um, obviously, I've had light highs in my career, but I've had relegation. So it's kind of, you know, I, I totally understand what you're saying there. And I, I think that's a really good point from you that that they don't understand that side of it. You know, they've never had to worry about, oh, if, if we get relegated, um, like Gene in the kitchen's going to lose her job. Yeah. Or, do you know what I mean? And, and that side of it. And, and I think, you know, in the same way that you talk about um, celebrating when you finish um, fourth from bottom, it's like saying, you know, what, so should you be disappointed when you lose the title on the last day like Man United did? Mm. Why are you disappointed? You finished second. Yeah. I'm trying to say, yeah. so it, it goes both ways. That yeah, for sure. Celebrating, celebrating a, uh, a high low <laughs> yeah. is, is, it's not where you want to be, but ultimately the relief mm-hmm. of, of getting out of it is, is massive. So that's why you celebrate. Mm-hmm. At the same time, when you've had a really good season, but someone was just a little bit better than you, what are you saying? You shouldn't be disappointed. Yeah. You know, Liverpool get 98 points, lose the league to City. What can you do? Someone was better than you. Yeah. So should you be disappointed? Well, in my opinion, you know, if, you, if you're going by from the bottom of the league, we'd, we'd bite your hand off. Yeah. So it's all each, pers- each person and each individual to their own situation. You, you, you look after your own situation. If, if, if we were a team that were due to win the title and we stayed up on the last day and were celebrating then I'd understand. Yeah. But when you're a team that are expected to be down there and you actually get out of it, then I think you deserve whatever you get and deserve what celebrations you want to get. Yeah, for sure. Right. So I was going to give you two topics. So I'm just going to give you one. And this is the one that people have been waiting for. Yeah. So I need to hear the best five-a-side team of players that you have played with in your career to date. Please fire away. Okay. So <clears throat> I will go with um, Brad Friedel in goal. Really? Okay. Um, I'd simply go Brad Friedel because of what I talked about going from, so going from West Brom to, to Aston Villa and then having an experienced goalkeeper like him that, you know, I'm going to a big club, but his experiences, know how, how steady he was, could rely on him um, off the pitch, you know, when he has conversations with you. I think I'd have to go with Brad because he was just an all-round good pro, but good for me at that time mm-hmm. of my learning curve. Yeah. So, yeah. Go on, carry on. It's not just a one-man fight. So, I'm going to go controversial, but I'm going to put James Milner in my defence. Listen, that's not controversial <laughs> because I'd put him in there as well. He... <laughs> James Milner, who who will play anywhere. Yes. But I'll have I'll have Millie in my defence. I won't bother with a defender. I'll let him do that job because I think you'll you'll back me and you'll say this, but he's the most the best pro mm-hmm. I've I've played with. Yeah. And I've, I've spoken to people about this before. But do you remember when we were in England under twenty ones? And obviously, James used to go down and used to check the um, hydration scores. Yes. And then there was the one night where you said, I'm going to beat him tomorrow. Yeah. And you drank like a crate of water <laughs> and you went down. Yeah. And the next day, he goes down, checks the hydration score, and you'd beaten him. And he was like... He was fuming. He was <laughs> absolutely fuming. But that was, yeah. a long, that was a long night for me, I'll tell you that for oh, free. But that's, what I mean, yeah, but, that, but that's what I'm trying to say. But this is, that's how professional he was, that he wanted to win the hydration chart. Yeah. But yeah, James, like unbelievable pro unbelievable player i think he's disrespected for how good a player he is mm-hmm. as well yeah i think people say the good pro one i don't I, I do say that because it's a massive part of how he's got where he is but he's an unbelievable footballer in terms of be if you want to score goals set up goals defend mm-hmm. he has every facet of the game in his in his locker so yeah james milner is an absolute must um next i will go um tom huddleston okay um i'll say tom you know tom is He's obviously a good friend of mine, known him for years, but having played across two clubs with him, it's that relationship that we had, the reliability, 
the the two feet that can do whatever they want, can pass the ball anywhere. Um, his, his ability, you know, on the ball, you know, to to have a player that if you're in trouble, you can give the ball to, and he's not going to stitch you back up by giving it back to you. Yeah, is massive. Yeah, and I think I think yeah, do you know what I mean, like just just watching him from outside is one thing, but when you're actually with him and you give him a ball and you see him without looking, you just spray a ball left foot. 60 yards, sprayable right foot, 60 yards, outside the foot, inside of the foot, yeah. effortlessly. Master of his I think craft. He's, yeah. he's, yeah, and, and I think it's, especially he's like, um, he's an enigma, an anomaly of his size and mm. his, his, his stature. You think he'd be a bruising, tough midfielder, whereas he's cultured. And, and I think, um, yeah, he's, he's definitely up there with, with one of the best I've played with. Mm-hmm. Two more then. Come and on. then after that, I'll go um, Ashley Young. Um Easy, easy, easy decision. Best player I've played with. Was that when he was on the wing at Villa? But, but, well, yeah, yeah, I'll put Ashley Young in here. I'll, I'll have him in here. I'm going to have like a five. I'm not going to bother with a striker, but I have Ashley Young because, you know, he was playing left wing for us. And that season where we, what well, I said, we finished sixth and I, I played the 34 game, he was, yeah, was special. unplayable. Yeah. He got, he got young player of the year, uh, PFA young player of the year, but he was like, just a joke. We literally, our game plan was, considering we had good players on our side, we had, you know, we had James Milners, we had um, the Gareth Barrys, we had all these players, but it was, when we're down, we're struggling, give the ball to Ash. Because mm. he was just making things happen from nothing. Um, so, Ash is, like I say, easily the best player I played with. Um, went on to Man United, had a good career there, and now even, you know, at 35, still having a great yeah. career, reinvented himself as a fullback slash wingback. I think that's credit to Ash with not only his ability and what he can do on the ball, but his mindset. Because when we were younger, he used to, again, talk about confidence. He was the most confident man in the room mm-hmm. about his ability and, and had that arrogance about him, that healthy arrogance. So to say to someone like that, that you're, oh, play right back for me, play left back for me, you'd think, hang on, I ain't playing left back. But the fact that he was able to do that and his mindset changed to, I want to play for a big club and I'll do that to play at a big club was was massive. And I think that's why he's, he's still continuing now. Mm-hmm. And then... um. So I'd probably have Ash as my <coughs> sort of false nine um, because I'd want to have Gareth Barry in my team. Okay, yeah. So I'd, it'd almost be like a, a diamond <laughs> of, the, of midfielders, really. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I'd have Gareth Barry in my team because, again, if you go by the influence they had on the team, Ash was the best, yes. But Gareth, reliability. Top. top. Yeah, yeah, when, when top. I spoke about Tom and, you know, getting you out of jail, but his ball retention was ridiculous yeah like you give him give him a pass and again he doesn't care who's around him he's got that that big backside where he backs it in and he, he's strong he's got great feet again can pick a pass um usually only left foot not so much right foot, yeah yeah definitely can yeah. pick a pass yeah uh, but yeah gareth was unbelievable and again to play with he was he was a captain and, and when you talk about captains and leaders he was the one that you just look to 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 tick the game for you he wasn't overly vocal he was when he needed to be you know he had a he had a little rocket in him when he needed it but he was very unassuming in terms of in general very calm and when you've got someone like that and they have that ability to take the game and take the game to the next level um he was massive so yeah can't have you know record premier league appearance holder gareth barry uh, having played with him i have to have him in there yes definitely not by chance that he's got that record is it but yeah man well that that's it I need to say thank you I'm sorry for keeping you away from your daughter I'm sorry for keeping you away from your cat but I appreciate <laughs> I appreciate seeing you man and it's uh, it's good you're the first I think you might be the first guest of season three so we're starting with a, with a bang 
And if I don't see you on the field soon enough, I'll see you in a studio because we're going to be doing some BBC work together. Yeah. Hopefully, mate. Yeah. yeah nice one. Yeah. Well, it's great to see you, my brother. All right, mate. Thanks. Nice to meet you. Take care. Yeah. Take it easy, man. So there you go. It feels great to be back. Make sure you let me know what you think about the new intro, the show itself, and the artwork. The handle, like always, is kickback underscore Nadem, and we are on Instagram and on Twitter. And also, don't forget to send through the names of any charities you'd like to see get a chance at earning some money during the intro. And now, all I have left to say is thanks for listening, and be sure to subscribe so you never miss out. Stay safe and stay tuned. Bye for now.